For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. So, you guys have heard me say many things in this very room, this very gathering room, about stuff like enlightenment and the bliss of being and, um, you know, success and happiness and perfect relationships and all the other things that we all want. Great, fine. But... One of the problems of talking like this is that it can give you the impression that if you're not getting all those things, you're somehow falling behind or you're, you're deficient in some way, which is not true at all. There was a group of rock climbers who climbed this very, very difficult face. I forget. It was like the north face of the Eiger or something. And um, there were three of them. And they were climbing together so that some of them could climb ahead and plant metal, what do they call them, pitons? They put these um, sort of, they were like railroad spikes. I should have prepared by knowing what a piton is. Anyway, they'd hammer, their little rock hammers, they'd hammer these spikes into the mountain and then they would hook a rope on it and then the two other guys could come to that place. <clears throat> so what they did is they trained for this long, long climb at one climbing gym where they had a 10 foot wall that they could use. And sometimes they started out climbing like on big ledges and then they started using smaller and smaller ones. Finally, they were climbing on little ridges of stone that were no wider than a credit card and they would hook their fingernails in and they would, they all got trained so they could go up this one 10 foot wall with that amount of difficulty and then plant the piton and then rope it up and the other guys could come. And then they went and climbed this massive mountain, 10 feet at a time. Each guy would go 10 feet, hook up the, the rope, bring everyone else, and then another guy would go. And none of them ever had to climb more than 10 feet at a time. And they all got to the mountain. So there's a message in teams building there. Yeah, that's a whole nother gathering room. But what I wanted to talk about was that the way you can get all the way to the bliss of being or to enlightenment or to success and purpose and living your mission all the time and everything is 10 feet at a time, sometimes with just the width of a credit card holding up your entire body weight, right? If you can just go a little bit inching forward, you eventually can climb the big mountain. And you will never, ever get catapulted up to the top of that mountain. You will always 
go in steps and sometimes in tiny steps. And it may seem like there are many steps to many to all these different things. But the fact is you only have to take a step toward one single thing to get all the way to enlightenment, bliss, full integrity, which brings with it magic and miracles and gratification and who knows, worldly, whatever you're meant to have in your life. And that step that you take is toward relief. That's really all you need. You need to continuously seek little bits of relief. That's like the tiny 10 foot step with the little credit card ledge where you think you need to go all the way to joy. What you really need to do is find relief from whatever amount of discontent or suffering you may be in right now, which may be a huge amount or it may be very, very small. One step in the direction of relief is still going to get you closer to enlightenment. And if you keep taking those steps, I promise you, they really do add up. So um, a lot of people in our culture think that detaching from things, letting go is a really negative word. In, in Asian mysticism, the idea of letting go until there is nothing, no self, no world, no thought is just sort of accepted to be the way toward enlightenment. In our culture, because we're so attached, we are so attached to the things we want, we think that detachment is the opposite of relief, that that is going to make us feel more wanting, more hungry, more need to be filled. And that's a lot of the commentary I get, the feedback I get from people from my work is, I'm still hungry, I'm starving, I need more, I have to, like, I'm, I'm so desperate. All those feelings that are about wanting to add things to yourself. That is something the culture really teaches as the way to happiness. And the way of relief is the exact opposite. It's the way of detaching from everything. So think about it this way. If you're sitting in your chair right now, think of one thing that troubles you about the world. Okay, got it. Worry about it for a minute. I know you do. I, for me, it's like eradication of ecosystems and extinction of species and all that. Okay, so get that worry up and, and going. Now, just take that worry and put it outside your house on the lawn or the street. Just let it, it likes to, it likes to travel. You're going to let it just go outside for a minute and you yourself are just going to be sitting in the room and the worry is on the outside. If you can get any space from your worry at all, that's relief and that's detachment. Now here's the weird double magic of detachment that people don't realize. If you sit there in your chair and let the worry go, what you'll realize is that detaching from any emotion or the source of any emotion, say I'm going to grab something and try to hang on to it to make myself feel better. Attachment shortens the feeling of joy and makes it slip away. And it lengthens the feeling of suffering and makes it cling like Velcro. And detachment allows joy to flow and flow and flow and increase. Like if you're really happy and you're not worried that the happiness is going away, this is what addicts sometimes tell me that only when they're high can they feel light or drunk can they feel like they're happy and the happiness won't slip away. And the minute the high starts to fade, they start to panic about losing the joy, at which point they've lost the joy, right? And the joy is very thin. So when you let go 
of the circumstances that cause either pleasure or pain, you get less pain that lasts for a shorter period and more joy that lasts for a longer period. So detaching, finding relief is not about giving anything up except your suffering. It will bring the joy and it will extend the joy. So I said Velcro a minute ago. Most of us are hooked to our suffering like Velcro and you've all had Velcro things, right? There's one fuzzy pad, sort of coarse but fuzzy. And on the other side, there are all these little hooks, hookity hook, hook, hooks. The guy who came up with Velcro got the idea because he was walking his dog. He was worried about creating a fastener that people could use in space that they could, that would be a really strong fastener that they could manipulate with those big spaceman gloves. And he, he was thinking and thinking buckles, snaps, he couldn't get it, zippers. And then he took his dog for a walk and he detached from the effort to solve the problem. At which point his little creative brain put all these ideas together, saw his dog getting burrs on its coat and his pants leg getting burrs on it and, and suddenly thought, ooh, a, a soft and fuzzy surface, tiny little hooks. Velcro was born. So as we know, it's very tenacious. And the idea for today's website or podcast or whatever this cast is, gathering room. I don't know what's in here. Um, the idea came, I was talking to Rowan Mangan, the gracious badger, mother of Junior Badger, who is keeping her busy. And I said, you know, all I can think of for the gathering room is that when I lived in Singapore, I used a brand of toilet tissue called Clean Grape. And Clean Grape toilet tissue was clearly made by people who did not have English as their native language, but they had gone to a dictionary and they got some nice words for their slogan, which was printed on every package. And I would see it when I went to use my tissue as was my daily practice. And the package on the Clean Grape toilet tissue would say, clean great toilet tissue it's sturdy and tenacious and i would sit there thinking that is not what i want in a toilet tissue i mean maybe sturdy but not sturdy and tenacious and you get the image of a very sturdy and tenacious thing clinging to parts of you that you'd rather not have clung to okay so picture that you've got clean great toilet tissue coming at you from every point of suffering in the world. You are attached like Velcro to your suffering by the two forces that we talked about last time, the time before that, every single time. There are only two forces that turn you away from your natural joy. One is socialization or being trained or taught to do something. And the other is painful experience or trauma. Could be huge, could be tiny but trauma touching the stove and it's hot. The next time you see a stove, you get a flinch of fear. That's a tiny, tiny trauma. And both socialization and trauma can teach us to hang on to things that cause suffering. Most of our suffering comes from our thoughts, as we know. I just asked you to take a worry and put it outside. You may have let it come back by now. Um, worry is one of the many things to which the little trauma and socialization hooks in our minds can stick, right? You hear about a situation, the polar bears are dying, all of a sudden, um, every so bit of suffering you've ever experienced, every 
scary thought about death you've ever ever had every thought of loss you've ever had the thought of animal suffering it all comes like barreling in on you and you're just devastated so how do you get out of that you don't get usually to rip off all the velcro at once that's not how the process of enlightenment works all you have to do is rip out one hook or not even rip it just take one hook out so take the thing that worries you this is i'll tell you something that um byron katie the spiritual teacher byron katie told me once when i was agonizing over sea lion cubs that were dying okay so i'm still a little attached to that but think about whatever you're worrying about. And I said, I'm so worried about these poor little sea lion cubs and I can't help empathizing with them. And Katie listened to me and she clearly saw the suffering of the sea lion pups and felt in like there were tears in her eyes. But you know what she said? She said, well, first you may, you may become an activist. You may go out and save a sea lion pup. You may do anything you want. But the first thing you have to do is deal with the one little sea lion pup that you have to work with. And that's the one inside yourself. She said, could you give one bit of comfort to that little pup? And I was like, Aah! and I let myself off that hook. I let myself off the hook of fixing all sea lions in that moment. And I did it by taking the hook out of myself. Now I can still want to work to help and I do, I donate and I work toward the, the restoration of ecosystems and everything, but I do it better because I've unhooked from my attachment to that story. Because my socialization said to care, you have to be really upset and get in there and do something. And in fact, I do really care and I will really do something, but I could unhook from the suffering of the, of the moment simply by saying, Give yourself a break. Having someone say to me in a very loving way, give yourself a little break. Like, take a breath. You're okay right now. So let yourself have, take off one hook of worry right now. Like, something that you can't affect right now today. Put it out as something you intend to address later. But right now, unhook. One little Velcro hook. That's all, we, that's all you have to do. One Velcro hook at a time. If you do it minute by minute by minute, it's all going to go away. And that's how enlightenment works like polishing a brick it just keeps going and going there's one other thing one other practice that can help you unhook and that's something that's not just in your thoughts but in your deeds so what I want you to think about is talking the other day to a woman who said I've got so many like I've got all these creative projects that I was supposed to do because COVID has us coped up and that's the time to be creative and everybody tells me I need to be creative I need to reach out to more people I need to do this and that and she's like, I'm such a freak. I just want to sit around my house and, and not, and feel bad that it's a pandemic. And so I emailed back to her, you have permission today to not worry about anything in your house or, or doing any of your activities, doing any creative projects, making other people's lives better. Today, you're just not up for it. Let yourself off the hook. And I swear to you guys, when she got the email, I could feel the release of tension. Maybe it was just in me. I will tell you what I let myself off the hook for today. It's embarrassing, but that's why I know I'm hooked. So, and then I'm going to open for questions. A few days ago, I went and got myself a cup of coffee, but there was somebody delivering something and I didn't have a mask on. So I ran upstairs with my cup of coffee to my bedroom 
but I didn't have time to put the cream in. So I took the cream out of the fridge and I ran upstairs with my coffee and my cream in a carton. And then I poured the cream in, but I didn't want to go back downstairs because I was meditating. So I opened my window and I put the carton of cream on the outside windowsill because it's cold out there. It's just like a fridge and I shut it. And I never um, got it back. It's still there. It's not full. It's just like half full. And every day it goes up to like 41 degrees. And I'm like, it's probably still gone. <laughs> and then at night it freezes. And I'm like, well, it's fine if it's frozen. And then the next day it's like, oh gosh, I don't want to. I should just get it out. And it's just sitting on my windowsill, <laughs> polluting the environment. I need to recycle it. But today, as I was prepping this, I thought, oh, God, there it is. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to let myself off the hook. Now, it's been there for like four days, but I've been on the hook the entire time. i got to get that stupid carton down. I've got to, like, open the window and get through the screen and do all the things. Today, I let myself off the hook. Tomorrow, I may just be so rested from being off the hook that I just do it. Or I may ask somebody else to help me do it and do something for them. You never know what's going to open up when you start detaching from things, when you start taking off the Velcro, just hook by hook by hook, climbing that ledge, just 10 feet by 10 feet, little tiny ledge. And you may end up at the top of the highest mountain, free as a bird from all your attachments. And it's just one step toward relief. That's all you have to do to get anywhere, anywhere you want to go as a spiritual practitioner. Okay. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. So I will now, if all is well, take some questions. And I went to the wrong question thread and got some really interesting questions. Um, okay, Anne says, oh... The Practical Wayfinders love you, they said, because we are doing a, a little seminar called Practical Wayfinding to help us all get started on the new year. And it's so nice of you, Anne, because we're doing our, on Tuesday, we do our last class, and I get, I'm very, very proclaimed about getting it right. So I think right now, just in this moment, I'm going to let myself off the hook of fearing that I'm not going to do a good enough job for the Practical Wayfinders. So thank you, Anne. You're wonderful. Tracy says, both my parents have COVID. It is a big hook. Any ideas? Oh, Tracy, I wish I had you here to coach. Um, first of all, that is a not just one big hook. That is many, many, many hooks. See, that's the things we tend to think that the thing that is hooking us is just one thing when usually it's thousands of things. So Tracy may have all kinds of thoughts about her mom passing and her dad passing separately, separate thoughts that she may have had for years before she even knew it that COVID existed. 
Um, there are other fears about what will my future look like? We can do future tripping and think if they, if the worst happens and they're both, you know, they, they both get taken at once, how will I survive? What will that be like? The fact is we don't know, but we can imagine. And the imagined future often tortures us as much as loss in the present. So here's what I would say, Tracy, is be very, very gentle with yourself, as I'm sure you're being. But also start unhooking one thing at a time. So when one of my loved ones got COVID, um, I remember sitting up late at night, and this was right at the beginning of the pandemic, and I just started reading all the statistics on how not everyone dies, and some people don't even have very bad symptoms. And it, uh, I read stories of people surviving, and it's not that I thought that my loved one had to survive because I was reading positive stories. I just got the hook out that said, for sure, that person's going to die. For sure, that person's life is going to be ruined and they will infect other loved ones and it's all going to go completely out of control. I unhooked by going to the positive side, any positive that I could find, including the worst might not happen. And if you can only unhook one, it's still not a great situation. But today's topic is not about great situations. It's about situations getting this much better. Just taking one little step and going, okay, today I'm not going to future trip about what happened would happen if they passed away. Tomorrow you may decide to again, but you'll find that it might be easier to go forward without presupposing that. And the more we can allow ourselves to be present in the moment instead of imagining the moment that our loved ones are taken from us, whether or not they have COVID, that's one of the big hooks that keep people in suffering their entire lives. And if we can unhook from it, I've had people, I can't count the number of people who've told me that having cancer was a gift to them. I'm not saying it is if you have it, but they said they had to unhook from the fear of death, realizing that they'd always been destined for that end and they could still be present in the moment. And it somehow the clear and present danger of it brought now their life now into this sort of vivid full presence and then they got over it and they were fine but they were in a vivid full presence and they were afterward grateful steven says how do you help someone who doesn't understand how to go inside with mindfulness how do you help them unhook you can't you can't at all you can't mess with anyone else's mind. You can't trick them. And Stephen, I have tried. I have been paid <laughs> to try for years. And I tried and tried and tried to manipulate people into it. You know, hoodwink them into anything to save them. Oh, I was so evangelical about happiness. And I finally realized that some people are just working through their own unhappiness at their own pace. And I cannot change a single mind that doesn't want to change. If you look at the political stuff that's going on today, people are yelling at each other and they don't, they don't change. In fact, statistics show that when you're, when you, people give you statistical information that is in op opposition to your political beliefs, it actually strengthens your political beliefs. So if you're most people, so if you're trying to unhook someone from unhappiness, they will often double down and dig in harder. They're getting something from that attachment. They believe it's virtuous or they believe it's protective in some way. It will protect them from worse catastrophe. They have a belief system 
that's working for them and their, their attachment to their unhappiness is their property. But the, the wonderful thing is, though you cannot ever unhook someone else, you can always, but always unhook yourself a little bit. So you're with the person who is so unhappy and so like refuses to unhook and has no mindfulness and no interest in getting better. And you sit back and you say, hmm, where am I hooked? Okay, I'm really hooked on the idea that I should help them get better or that they should get better in one way or another. And they aren't. All right, what if I let myself off the hook for that one? They can be as miserable as they want. I'm just going to sit over here and think, wow, I used to be really hooked by your unhappiness to the point where I was unhappy. Hmm. I guess I can't teach unhooking if I don't unhook from that. And here is my lesson in unhooking. And you're just going to look at them and go, you enjoy that story enjoy it go I, I heard a 12-step sponsored phrase the other day it was i cannot help you go and live in you as you have chosen until you are satisfied and then if you want my advice come back for it um so you can think that and then go have a happy time climbing the the mountain you want to 10 feet at a time on a credit card sized ledge okay pam says how do you know when it's time to get back hooked in or do we need to get or do we need to do that uh wondering when my chores will get done hmm. here's the weird thing you don't ever have to rehook. that is a cultural belief we have that we have to be attached to something and very intent on it to make it happen in asia one of the things i've quoted to you guys a million times is in the Tao Te Ching, it says when nothing is done nothing remains undone so you let go you let go you let go and what happens is and people in all cultures who report detaching at a very very intense level like over long stretches of time what happens is that they start to feel as if some force is moving them it's like being pulled by puppeteers i wrote about this in expecting out of my first memoir where i felt that something was moving me and making things happen and it really wasn't me i mean i was happy to be aboard for the ride happened again when i got my phd i had three little kids and i was working and trying to get this degree and i was sick all the time and i was like this is just not gonna happen and i just gave up one day and i said whatever divine force there is in the universe if you want one more phd and this body is supposed to have it then go for it but i'm it, it's too much i can't do it I completely let go and I'm not sure how that got finished <laughs> I will tell you it got finished 15 minutes at a time that I never climbed a big ledge you know I never climbed 300,000 feet in one day I climbed 10 feet a day but for 15 minutes a day I would open my computer and something would go to work and get that done apparently it wanted one more PhD through this body so it got it so I don't think you ever have to, to rehook. Rehooking is just a way to keep yourself from your from full awakening. You don't have to have any hooks in you at all. And then you can fly around. Okay, Jessica says, how about communicating with family that doesn't understand why we've unhooked? I don't want to appear apathetic, but I don't want to get pulled into the into sorry, into the future tripping by them either. Sorry, I'm stammering because the 
type on my computer is minuscule and my eyeballs are not so good. So Jessica, I totally hear what you're saying. What I said to Steve and I say to you also, if you hear them getting revving up and trying to pull you in and then you feel like, okay, I need to communicate with them. I, they, I need them to understand why I'm unhooking. The need for them to understand is one of the biggest hooks of all. I remember speaking of Byron Katie, one of the things she said that shocked me in a lovely way was she once said, no one in this world will ever understand you. And I was like, oh, well then, I'm off that hook. <laughs> you can understand yourself completely. If there's some divine intelligence in, in nature that you believe in, you can believe that that will understand you completely. Nobody can ever live in anyone else's skin. And so the moment you say to someone, I will love you even if you don't understand me, you have set yourself free and set them free to love you. And there's nothing more lovable than someone who doesn't really need to be understood by the other person because like, if it's me, I understand myself. And even more, I believe that there's a consciousness in the universe that understands me and loves me more than I can. So I let myself off the hook of needing to communicate anything. I just listen. And coincidentally, that happens to be the way to get most people to feel understood. You just listen. And once they feel understood by you, the peace that you've been looking for, the acceptance you've been looking for, follows automatically without effort. We're back to that weird paradox that Asian cultures have so like bread to the bone and we just don't have it, which is when nothing is done, everything gets done. <laughs> nothing is left undone. Okay, finally, Anne-Marie says, could detachment ever be a type of resistance? Well, resistance, could, you could call it detachment, but you'll know that it's resistance and not detachment if you have any level of psychological suffering around it at all. So if you get angry, you feel like someone's trying to take it from you. If you're afraid that it's going to be taken from you, if you are um, sad that people don't understand you, if you have any negative emotions attached to it, it's actually resistance. And detachment is saying, oh, I see some suffering in myself. What is causing that? What's the hook there? Oh, okay. I'm resisting what is. I want my family member to agree with my politics, whatever. Uh, and they don't. That's resisting. And so I'm going to let myself off the hook of needing anything to be other than it is. And the moment you say, I'm going to allow everything to be as it is, everything to be as it is. You're off all the hooks for this moment. I just am reading a great book, which I recommend by Coop Blackson, which is called The Magic of Surrender. It's an amazing book. And one of the things he says is that all magic follows surrender. All surrender is giving up resistance to the present moment. And all of us think that surrender is a last resort, but it actually should be our first resort. So this week, make surrender your first resort. Make a little bit of relief be your highest goal. Give it to yourself and just watch how little by little by little, the hooks all come out and the mountain gets climbed and you never were aware of doing anything at all. I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining me this week on The Gathering Room. And we will be back, same back time, same back channel next week. Love you so much. 
For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us.